RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. Well, we have flipped the calendar. Hopefully everybody had a great and safe Halloween and got tons of candy. As we move past that and we flip that calendar to November, we're back in with another edition of the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs in college football and the NFL. It is Three Dog Thursday. I am your somewhat capable, somewhat lucid host. Boy, I took a beating with my two college underdogs last week, but I was very happy with the Houston Texans hanging in there, even though they gave up the heartbreaking loss in the game they were winning. They came back. And it actually uh, ended up covering in that game, so I was one for three last week. Meantime, Kevin Rogers uh, does very well with the Carolina Panthers over my Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week, and the senior handicapper from VegasInsider.com is back with me. Hello, Kevin Rogers. Good to be back with you in the month of November, sir. It is good. It's going to be back, and uh, you know, October was a very busy month, and November. Now we're transitioning out of baseball, and with uh, the NBA underway, college basketball is going to start. Obviously, now we're in the stretch run of college football and the NFL. Yeah, it just continues to be busy, and uh, we'll see what we can do this week. Yeah. All right. So we're ready to get into some picks and some prognostications. Uh, again, we'll do college football here in the opening segment of the show, and then save some NFL selections. For our final pick, three underdogs simply to cover. Uh, Let's begin with the college football playoff rankings. They came out on Tuesday evening with Georgia from the selection committee, currently ranked number one on the initial rankings for 2017. Alabama two, Notre Dame three, Clemson four, followed by Oklahoma and Ohio State at five and six. So, Kevin, first to you. The buffet is in front of you. What are your thoughts on those initial rankings coming out? I mean, not not to say that it doesn't matter. I don't like doing that because we have to have a conversation about it. But uh, I mean, no surprise, really. I mean, you know, you look at it, you know, Georgia and Alabama, both undefeated. They should be in it. Notre Dame, you know, for the most part, I didn't love their schedule, to the exception of Georgia, but they blasted USC, and they had a really nice win over North Carolina State last week. So, you know what? I mean, they only have one loss, you know, losing to Georgia by a point. So that's uh, – you know, they, it should get them up in that top four. And you look at Clemson losing to Syracuse, uh, which really wasn't a good loss. I mean, it's one thing if they got squeezed in that game. You know, they, they really weren't great in that game. So, you know, it just comes to the point where you're going to have four or five teams that are going to get that one spot that have a really good argument, you know. And, you know, does Ohio State get in over Oklahoma, even though Oklahoma beat them earlier this year? And obviously Oklahoma plays Oklahoma State this week, and they still have to play TCU. They still have some tough games ahead. But Ohio State got themselves back in it with the win over Penn State. Now Penn State has got to hope that they could maybe win out and get to the Big Ten title game, and Ohio State loses. There's so many things that can happen. That's why it's hard for me to get really excited or get really upset with this top four because we still have to see how things are going to turn out 
Well, and Notre Dame, again, uh, has kind of blossomed into this situation. Remember, it was a losing season for Brian Kelly's team a year ago. He's been on the hot seat, but they have won a couple of games, won a game at Michigan State earlier this year, won impressively over NC State at home, uh, a top 25 team. They have the narrow one-point loss to the Georgia Bulldogs earlier this year at home. But they sneak in there again in front of Clemson and Oklahoma and Ohio State, at least for now. And one thing we know, Kevin, I mean, this committee will move teams in and out even if you don't lose. We've seen that in the first three years of the college football playoff existence. So don't get too comfortable here because uh, Notre Dame and Clemson, for example, could continue to win and Oklahoma or Ohio State or someone else could pass them before it's over. As much as those fan bases would go crazy, there's precedence. The committees have done that in the past. Yeah, and and you know what, you can't really take anything uh, right now and say this is going to be final. And also, crazy things have happened. You know, we've seen teams, and go back to the BCS, that someone beat someone, but the losing team got in over the other one, even if they had the same exact record. So, obviously, it's an improved system by having four teams instead of two teams. But at the same time, there's so much parity now, I think, in college football that you can have five or six teams with very similar resumes with one loss each, and somehow you can only pick one of them for, you know, if there's two spots, there's two undefeated teams. I mean, obviously, there won't be two undefeated teams at the end because Georgia and Alabama will play each other in the SEC championship if it goes this way, and one will lose if they don't lose before that. But you're going to have all these different teams, and the problem is this isn't the NFL where – you have common opponents. You know, when you look at, for instance, you know, Big Ten teams versus Big 12 teams, understandably Ohio State played Oklahoma, but for the most part, it's hard to compare other conferences if you don't ever play these other teams. Right. So it's hard to say that this team, you know, they played all these teams in this conference, but they played none of them in that conference, so what makes them so much better? So that's, that's kind of the flaw in the whole system. They're obviously not going to take away teams, but you're going to have one of these years – you're going to have six or seven teams with one loss apiece. We've seen teams win the conference championship, and because of circumstance, they get in, and maybe the record's worse than someone who has a better resume. It's, it's just really – it's still not clear after all this time. Right, and remember a year ago, Ohio State didn't even play in the Big Ten title game, much less win it, yet they got in the playoff, and Penn State, who won the game, did not get in the playoff. So, uh, again, we try to, to decipher some of this. A lot of football to go. Biggest, biggest part of it is just keep winning your games. Do your, do your own self a favor and, and keep winning the games. And a couple of other interesting items uh, that go along with this. Be mindful that in the first two years of the playoff, the 2014 season and the 2015 season, In those cases, the Ohio State Buckeyes were outside of the top 15, Kevin, in the initial ranking and still played their way in to the point that we're talking about here, played their way in over the course of the next six weeks to get into the playoff and eventually win the thing, win the whole championship. The following year, Oklahoma, uh, I believe, was uh, somewhere in the teens, like 13, 14, something like that. They were outside the top 10 is my point. They made their way into the playoff. Eventually, Clemson beat them in the Orange Bowl. 
But there are two examples in the first two years of the playoffs that in the, in the initial rankings, a team was not even in the top ten and found their way into the playoffs. So the motto here is it's not over for the likes of, of teams like uh, TCU that have a loss or Oklahoma State that has a loss or Miami who's undefeated playing two big games with Virginia Tech and Notre Dame back-to-back, but they're ranked number ten this week. It's not over because you're down there at ten or down there maybe at twelve. Well, just so many things can happen. That's what it is. And, you know, especially in that Big 12 where you have the Bedlam game and you have all these teams that are going to play each other. And who says that, you know, West Virginia can't shock someone? Uh, you know, there, there are teams, Texas is playing well, obviously, the way Iowa State has been playing, and they've already beaten Oklahoma. So you have all these teams that could maybe pull an upset. And I think it almost feels like a guarantee that Alabama is not going to lose until the SEC title game. But what if they lose to Auburn? You know, what if that happens? That just screws everything up. You know, and, and the ACC, things can happen there as well, that Miami is still in play, that they have two tough games ahead against Virginia Tech and Notre Dame the next two weeks, that there are still a lot of things that, you know, you can't be shocked about. When Iowa State's a, a 37-point underdog against Oklahoma and they go in there down double digits and beat them, you can't really be shocked by anything anymore. So um, I think it's fair to say that these four that we see now, the top four, will probably not be the four we see in late December. Yeah, and in fact, if I believe I'm correct, in all three previous years, it was not the original four at the end. There's at least one different team, uh, to your point. Okay, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs are there at one in, in no small part, not only for that win at Notre Dame, but how impressive they've been in the SEC slate Uh, annihilating Tennessee earlier this year, and then just a butt-kicking in the rivalry game in Jacksonville with Florida last weekend. Kevin, the backdrop was obviously the implosion of Jim McElwain as the head coach. I've been doing this for a long time. You've been doing this for a long time. Have you seen a more bizarre week where a coach in a rivalry game with a team with a winning record, still with things to play for, began talking about death threats and then wouldn't explain them as McElwain did last week, and then, as the week went on, wouldn't explain it any further, seemed to, seemed to distract his own team. And then I don't know why. I mean, I picked him for Three Dog Thursday, but honestly, if I had known by the time we got to Saturday that uh, the rumors were swirling everywhere that he was already looking to be bought out of his contract and leave, he coached the game like he didn't care. His team played distracted like they didn't care. Kevin, your thoughts? It was a complete mess for the Gators, and McElwain's no longer the coach. You know, a couple things on this. Number one, obviously, everyone thought that Butch Jones would be the first coach fired in the SEC, and that hasn't happened. So it's interesting that McElwain was the first guy with all these coaches that seems like they're on the hot seat. But, you know, since day one, since he got hired there at the University of Florida, it never felt like he, it sounds kind of odd, but both of us who live in Florida, and anybody can know this wherever they live, that it just didn't seem like he was the guy for the Gators. And, I mean, frankly, I never really thought Urban Meyer was the same either. After Steve Spurrier was there, he was like the face of the Gators for so long. And then you had, you know, Ron Zook and Urban Meyer. It just didn't feel right. But McIlwain definitely felt like a fish out of water there, even though he had SEC experience before that. But, you know, when you have all these things, I mean, even that silly story with him and the shark and the boat that it's just kind of like it just was weird and the way florida had played this guy's supposed to be an offensive guru and their offense is terrible like that's always funny to me that you know, you're an offensive guru but you can't recruit a quarterback you can't have any decent players are scoring 16 points a game or whatever it's ridiculous and obviously that was the the topping last week 
the Georgia loss, that you lose the rivalry game, you lose it like that. With everything, it was just they had to move on from it. And, you know, for the Gators, you just hope that they get – it was like what happened in Miami, that it was such a mess without Golden. When they ended up getting Mark Richt, who had played there, and he had a, a really nice coaching career at Georgia, that, like, it felt like he was the guy, that it felt right. And it's the same thing with, uh, you know, with Florida, that – he, you got to get the guy that feels right for the mm-hmm. program. And McElwain didn't feel that way. Muschamp didn't feel that way. That hopefully the next guy feels that way. Well, and of course, Scott Strickland is the new AD, the former AD at Mississippi State. While we're on this subject here on Three Dog Thursday, do you think that Dan Mullen of Mississippi State is the leading candidate? Because I don't know that that's rubber stamped. I don't know that he wants to leave Starkville for what the pressure cooker of Gainesville is, where you lose a couple of games and the fan base has got vitriol everywhere. They want to they, they, they want to run you out of town for losing. At Mississippi State, he's gotten away with losing two or three times, winning a key game here or there, not even winning the West, and he's still getting contract extensions. I don't, I don't believe it's rubber stamp that Dan Mullen is there. What, what's your thought on where the Gators might turn, just real quick? I mean, I don't know. Um, I can't give you a name, but I'll tell you this. Okay, let's go down a couple names. I'll stop you. Chip Kelly. If it's not Mullen, Chip Kelly. Good fit. Would he do it? What do you think? I'd be more – well, here's what I was going to say about Dan Mullen was with him, that's not impressive to me. I don't care that he was at Florida before. That does nothing. And you just mentioned at Mississippi State, yeah, they had a nice run with Dak Prescott a few years ago, but they're a middle-of-the-road SEC West team, and I understand it's tough to win at Mississippi State. I get it. But it's very unimpressive. You need a Chip Kelly. You need so, – I mean, I don't know if you're going to go the less miles route either, and that'd be kind of interesting. But give me – you've got to go with a big name in, in this situation. And, you know, I know we had talked about it a while ago uh, – I feel like with LSU and with Ed Orgeron, that's kind of like doesn't feel right. Like a like it doesn't feel like you're not. There's no sizzle to it. I feel like Florida really needs sizzle for this job. And even Urban Meyer, you look at it, he came from Utah. Like he never like I know he took Utah to the Fiesta Bowl, but he wasn't really a big name. He was an up and coming name. They need like a big name here to kind of resurrect the program. Well, we'll see. We'll see what they do. The name Scott Frost at UCF. I'm going to talk about them again here in a minute. Uh, in Orlando, doing well, kind of looks the part. Might he be the guy? Could there be another coach? Uh, my, my Memphis coach, Mike Norvell, appears to be a hot commodity with the Tigers playing well. Only been at Memphis. This is his second season. Might he get in the Gator mix? Could it be somebody else? Uh, we'll see uh, how that part plays out. Okay, so that leads us to Three Dog Thursday and some selections. Wait a minute. I smell something from Kevin Rogers with Jim McElwain gone and uh, Randy Shannon, the former Hurricanes coach, the defensive coordinator at Florida, elevated now as the head coach. What? Wait, wait a minute. Are you actually considering Florida Gators on Three Dog Thursday, Kevin? You know, it always feels to me like when you have a coaching change, you know, we saw this at Oregon State, that Oregon State, their coach, well, he left, Gary Anderson, and they end up covering their next three games. I know they didn't win any of them, but they covered. They almost beat Stanford last week. I feel like there's a bit of rejuvenation a little bit. And Randy Shannon, you don't really see this in college football that much about the, you know, the coaches change in midseason. Randy Shannon, like you mentioned, at Miami, underwhelming with the Hurricanes, but he's still been a head coach at a major program. So this isn't like just a linebacker's coach that's interim. You know, this is a guy that has actually had you know, some good experience coaching in the NFL and coaching in college football. Anyway, uh, Florida's at Missouri this week. When you look at the Missouri Tigers, who, have, who has Missouri beaten this year? Missouri State, Idaho, and Connecticut. 
that's not exactly, you know, uh, a list of prom queens there, you know. So I think that the uh, the Gators, after the Georgia loss, now the coaching change, you know, they play a team that they have a chance to win. Like, they really have a chance to beat Georgia. You know, that was a game, yeah, they're not going to – you don't think they're going to lose like 40-something points, but he came as a two-touchdown underdog for a reason. Now they're a short underdog. Missouri has been unimpressive in SEC play, and I, I told you the teams they beat who really, you know, th- that doesn't uh, get anybody excited. Right. So I think that Florida goes in there. I think that a little bit rejuvenated now. You get to get, get away from home, get it, go in the middle of the country – I, I always like that. I always like the getting away from home after, you know, issues like this. I think Florida is uh, is a play against Missouri. Very interesting spot where they get two and a half points. At the time we're talking, and we're going to couch this a few different times here on Three Dog Thursday, as Kevin and I are talking in advance of the weekend, it's not determined yet whether Randy Shannon will go with Felipe Franks at quarterback. He did say on Monday, Kevin, that Malik Zaire, the, the transfer, the fifth-year transfer from Notre Dame, that they were looking to bring in and have him do good things at the beginning of the season. He played a little bit in the Michigan game, wasn't good in the second half. We, he hasn't really seen the light of day uh, shocking that he didn't even get a chance last week when they were being beaten badly by Georgia until the very very end down 42 to nothing to play in the game Zaire may be named the starter here if not he may play significantly in this game Florida's got a key running back injured and out for this game but I, I still I, I agree with you I think the Gators in this spot could uh, could be in good shape so I like that underdog pick I won't be agreeing with that on the record but I, I just yeah, I mean, addition by subtraction, they get away from home, they relax, they play good football, they've got talented guys on defense. Let's see what Florida can do. Um, I, I kind of like an interesting situation uh, with uh, Central Florida. UCF, as I mentioned, Scott Frost, their head coach, and UCF off to a 7-0 start. It is their best start in program history uh, for them. They are ranked in the top 20. Uh, the college football rankings, I believe, the other night had them at 17 outside shot that they could make a run up around the top four probably not but we'll see um but anyway UCF a good story a win earlier this year at Maryland uh a huge win over Memphis who's in the top 25 my alma mater blew them out at home one at Navy unbeaten but right now a distraction because Scott Frost and again at the time we're talking his wife is due any time with their first child and Scott Frost made it clear earlier in the week that depending on the timing, Kevin, he may stay behind in Orlando and may not coach this game. They play at SMU, who is improved. Southern Methodist out of Dallas in the American Athletic Conference has now gone to 6-2 and two on the season. They are bowl eligible. It is their best start since 1984, pre-death penalty. Kevin Rogers, are you feeling me? The Pony Express, Craig James, uh, Eric Dickerson and company. That's the last time SMU was really this relevant at 6-2. Uh, at and two. I like SMU here. Bobby Hicks, the quarterback, can sling it. Their defense is not very good, but I think they can sling it. And I, I don't know that UCF's not a little bit distracted on the road. Their coach may or may not be there. I'll take the ponies in 15 points here against the UCF Golden Knights real quick. Yeah, and there's also a little bit of pressure now that USF lost last week to Houston, so it seems like this is UCF's conference to win, at least. And I know they still have to play the conference championship later on, but now they have like this road where it's all on them. That means the pressure is up. And for UCF, who's never really been here before, it is a lot. And you know, like you mentioned with SMU, they're, they're a much-improved team. 
And, uh, yeah, they're definitely worth a look this week. I will take them and the 15 points. My other underdog, you made reference to the Bedlam game. Are you like me that this game, I know I know why they're doing it. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State kept saying, we don't want this thing at the end and there to be a conference championship game right after it. The Big 12 is going back to a conference championship game this year. But this game should be at the very end of the season. This game instead is on the first weekend in November and uh, it comes off of a week where I went against Oklahoma State last week. I took West Virginia at home, and the, the Cowboys made a fool out of me in that one. They won easily. West Virginia never really in the game. But Oklahoma, I think, is highly motivated for a lot of reasons. They're hanging around that top four of the college football playoff. Baker Mayfield at quarterback. Sooners have had some wild games. They won at Ohio State. Uh, they lost that game blowing the lead against Iowa State. They were down at Kansas State and came back and won. I just like Oklahoma in this spot at Stillwater. Am I crazy to go at Mason Rudolph and the and the Cowboys of Oklahoma State for a second straight week? Did I not learn my lesson, Kevin? No, I mean, it's a different situation, and I don't mind the game being when it is considering the Big 12 championship. And I think, uh, you know, I don't want to see teams playing back-to-back weeks. You know, I, I think that's a little bit ridiculous. And I understand it could be any two teams can do it, but you would think that the odds would be on them, too. But uh, besides the point, that Oklahoma State's still coming back from two tough, from a, I mean, from two road games, going to Texas with the overtime win, yep. still traveling out to West Virginia. So, you know, still have to come back home. You have the distraction of the Bedlam game where Oklahoma, that they're in an underdog role. You don't see it that often. They won at Ohio State already in the underdog role. And for Oklahoma, it kind of feels like a little bit, there's probably a little disrespect there, not from Oklahoma State, but from the top four and people kind of forgetting about them because they haven't had a lot of convincing wins recently. So maybe you get some value here with the Sooners. All right, we'll see what happens with those picks. There are college predictions. We're going to come back and talk some NFL football. Which one of us loves a team from the NFC South this week? Uh, which one of us also is leaning towards a Sunday night football upset? We've got NFL underdogs on the way. Stay with us. Stay tuned as the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to picking underdogs in college football in the NFL. It is Three Dog Thursday. Continues momentarily. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. Play postseason fantasy football like you never have before for free. Coming this January. Find out more by going to fanplayoff.com. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. Hey, we're back in. It is the latest installment of the only digital radio show devoted to underdogs in college football and the NFL. It is Three Dog Thursday. Remember, whether you're finding us on RadioInfluence.com, through iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, subscribe to this show, rate this show, move it up in the rankings, tell everybody that you can tell about the show, pass the word, share it out on social media. You can follow this show at Three Dog Thursday on Twitter. You can find Kevin Rogers at VI Rogers. Great information from our friends at VegasInsider.com that help us out on the show every week. But again, promote the show. Tell people about the show. Kevin, I got to say thank you to you. We come off of a month in October where Three Dog Thursday increased again by 
25% in audience for last month. We've had our best month ever in October, and it's because the fans are gravitating to this show. It does help when we occasionally get some right. We were both one for three last week. We've had some weeks where we've been two for three. I even had a three for three week. It does help to pick some games right, but we want to say thank you to the fans real quick because the show has really caught on here in this, our third season. It has, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun doing it, and, uh, you know, yeah, we're right in the middle of this where at least it gets a little bit easier, you would think, now that teams have settled in, but, uh, you know, hopefully we just can keep it up and, and keep picking winners. All right, so that's our idea. In the NFL, we're going to get to some NFL uh, prognosticating coming up here in a couple of moments. Hey, trade deadline stuff. I want to hit you with that just for a second because, uh, you know, baseball, basketball have always seemed to have a busy trade deadline, not so much in the NFL, but this go-around, suddenly the Dolphins uh, quickly shipped out Jay Ajayi to the Philadelphia Eagles on the deadline day. The uh, the Patriots part with Jimmy Garoppolo, their backup, the heir apparent to Tom Brady, and send him to San Francisco. A quick reaction to some of the moves that were being made. Uh, Texans giving up Dwayne Brown, uh, an offensive tackle. The Texans locker room not happy about that. That's one of their better offensive linemen. He goes to the Seahawks in a, in a trade. What are your thoughts real quick on what was a busy Tuesday trade deadline? day in the NFL well I think first with Jay Ajayi with me being based here in South Florida that this did not feel like a strategic move from from a statistic standpoint this was more of a we got to get this guy out of here because he's not helping our locker room and everything seems fractured right now they're coming off a 40 nothing loss to Baltimore and look Ajayi had a couple nice games last season he did but you know what? They got him, in a sense, on the cheap as a middle-round pick out of Boise State. He wasn't their starting running back to begin last year. They had Arian Foster, and then Ajayi ended up being the guy. So I guess they kind of felt like we could dump him. This isn't working anymore, and you know they just move on from that, and we'll see how they respond. As far as the other big trade with Jimmy Garoppolo going to the 49ers, you know, I guess it's good for him, and it's good for the 49ers because they have no quarterback, but at the same time, We've seen such a limited sample size with him, and I understand some people may think, oh, you know, he's the next com- the second coming of whatever, but we've barely seen him, so I don't know what he can do. But also, considering San Francisco's quarterback situation was terrible, that they needed to do something. Now, I just wonder what they're going to do with him. If they're going to play him this year or just sit him <laughs> out. Are you with and, me? You know, just are you with me on, on that point? When Kyle Shanahan was talking midweek that we may not play him for a couple of weeks, we may not play him at all this season. Why did you make the trade then? If that's the case, if you weren't going to get him some work in the offense and try to get him acclimated, I'm not saying he has to play this week. I'm not saying you throw him out there in the next couple of weeks till he at least learns your playbook, your audibles, your code words, that kind of stuff, the game plans, the schemes. But to, to say that for the next nine games you wouldn't play him at all, I can't believe that's the case with Garoppolo in San Francisco. What about you? Here's the only thing I could think of. You don't play him. You tank this season. You hope to get a high pick, and then you flip the pick knowing if there's going to be some good quarterbacks coming out and say this is our guy, <laughs> and we're just going to use this as he's going to be our guy next year, or we don't get a quarterback and we get another you know player at a different position, whatever the case may be. I see both sides of it. I understand, you know, why aren't you playing him? Get him in there. Your season's lost anyway. Who cares? You know, just get set for next year. You have the piece now moving forward, and you can still get a very high pick and go from there. So I, I understand both sides of it, that there really is no reason to play him when, you know, you're, you're not going to the playoffs in the NFC. It's not happening. You're not winning your division. So 
just pack it in, let him practice. Just, like I said, let him red shirt in a sense. And then you look at really quick with the Patriots that they traded Jacoby Brissett. They traded yep. Garoppolo. And I know they just got Brian Hoyer. But, man, they better hope that that number 12 does not suffer a serious injury because they're done because they have nothing else to go to. At least Brissett and Garoppolo kept them above water last year when Brady was suspended. Yeah, very true. Patriots willing to take that risk. Interesting with Ajayi being uh, shipped out that the Dolphins really don't have a go-to guy to run the football, uh, per se. What are they going to do there uh, in their matchup? All right, so uh, you have picked one college underdog. I'm going to let you go first here because that means two NFL underdogs. And I'll I'll make this disclaimer again because fans have contacted me uh, in the past. You may be hearing the show on the weekend. You may even be hearing the show on Sunday. So if you have, you already know whether our college picks were really good in Kevin's case or maybe not so good in my case. You already know that. With regard to the NFL, though, you're up for two. Where do you want to begin? Well, I'll continue my Florida tour here after taking the Gators, and I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're at New Orleans. I know. You're playing with fire here. I get it. Well, that's my my Buccaneers, my Buccaneers who have lost four games in a row. They're on the road at New Orleans. I would love nothing better than for them to come up with a good showing. So preach on from the pulpit. Why are the Bucs going to get it done this week? Why are they? Because it's the NFL. That's my number one. Because that's probably the number one thing. Because the NFL, and you don't know anything about the NFL. That's what it is. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, Tampa Bay, this is their biggest underdog number this year. You look at New Orleans, they've won five straight. And they've obviously turned it around since that slow start. The defense has played better. Drew Brees is still playing at a very high level. But, you know, for the Bucks, here's the one problem with the Bucks in the same series. You have to throw out a lot of those games, and you know this from being with the Buccaneers, that – I feel like every year it's always set up they play in Week 17, and it's always a throwaway game for either team. So you can't really even look at their past series numbers and say, well, so-and-so was dominated or you know, the other side because it doesn't matter that Week 17 game. But we saw Tampa Bay win at New Orleans even two years ago with Jameis Winston in his rookie year. They were, I think, 11-point underdogs, and they went into the Superdome and won yep. in Week 2. His second-ever so, uh, game, his first-ever road game. Yeah, they won. Right, that was after they lost to the Titans. They got blown out by the Titans at home, and then they went to New Orleans and played very well. I just look at the Saints as, you know, they snuck by the Bears last week, and Jameis Winston still put up decent numbers, and they still have offensive weapons. I know the defense is a little bit... You know, it's a little dinged up, but I just look at it as a situation where you know, you're getting some points with them. And, and Tampa Bay, when you look back at some of the games they played, you know, they you know they they lost that Thursday night game in New England. They had that horrible performance in Arizona. I just think here because they you know they come off a division loss to Carolina that. You know, you're going on the road, I think you're getting some value with them with some points. I mean, I understand these teams are going different directions, but this is when in the NFL you take the underdog. How about that? I hope you're right on, on that one with the trip into the Superdome as the guy that's doing the locker room postgame show on Buccaneers Radio. I would love to have a happy locker room in New Orleans and get that losing streak snapped. Buccaneers have way too much talent. Uh, to be struggling the way they're struggling to put it together. I mean, two weeks ago in Buffalo, offense played great, defense couldn't stop the Bills. Last week, defense played well enough to win that game, shutting down Cam Newton and company. Offense puts up three points. Got to put a complete game together. I think it's not profound, but it's it's rather obvious that's what they need to do. You believe they are going to do that. Let's see. All right, for the NFL, for me, I'm going to go third and final underdog, also in the NFC South. But in this particular case, I like the Atlanta Falcons on the road against the Carolina Panthers uh, in the matchup. 
Uh, again, back to the trade deadline. Uh, having watched the game at field level last week, Kelvin Benjamin uh, is a fantastic weapon for Cam Newton. Big physical receiver. Caught really the clinching touchdown in the fourth quarter of the game. I know he hasn't had spectacular numbers, uh, but in their Super Bowl season, he was one of their go-to weapons with he and uh, also Greg Olson at tight end. I was shocked that they dealt him. Buffalo Bills end up giving up a couple of draft picks for Kelvin Benjamin. Quick reaction from you. Is is this the Panthers just waving the white flag on the season with Olsen already injured with a broken foot that they deal Kevin, Kelvin Benjamin at the trade deadline? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to say that I root against Cam Newton. That sounds bad, but... You know what? When you watch his body language, you and you watch everything with him. That they had that fifteen and one season a few years ago, like you mentioned, going to the Super Bowl, and they got manhandled by Denver in that Super Bowl. And they're not going back. We know how tough it is, you know, for for these teams. But you know what? For Carolina, for all the stuff with Cam Newton, that you know what? This is Carolina probably sending a message saying, you know what, man? Like we're not that the season's done because I don't think it is. Like Carolina's still a. a a borderline playoff team. You know, they're still a team that should be going. So you wonder why they made this move. But I got to think if you're Cam Newton, you're already a pissed off guy with everything right. that's going on that probably this is just, you know, the, you know, this is just the nail in the coffin for him. That's what it feels like. Um, but at the same time, you wonder why, like Carolina's not done. Like this is not a team They've that's got one five and wins. seven or whatever. They're five and three. They're not, they got five wins. They're right in there for the division right now. Yeah, they're right there, and I know that they're one and one in the division. They lost to New Orleans earlier, and they just beat the Buccaneers last week, and now they get Atlanta. But uh, it, you know what? It, it's head scratchers, and you know, with some of these trades, you kind of wonder why you're making the deal. That this just can't be money, you know. And you know, you look at the Ajayi thing. There was something there in the locker room. You don't know what the deal is with Kelvin Benjamin, so that's where. Yep. It, uh, it's a little questionable. All right, and I like the Falcons, though. The Falcons played better, especially in the second half, in the rain, in the Meadowlands against the Jets and rallied to win. Um, again, it's a division game for them. They're 4-3 and three, uh, Atlanta and uh, got a couple of really uh, wild wins early on in the season that uh, they're, they're benefiting from at the moment. I think in this road setting, as a short underdog, only a one-point underdog, they will win the game against the Panthers. I think the Panthers might be in a bit of, of shock over the Benjamin move. Christian McCaffrey has been good. I saw him, Kel, uh, Kevin, at field level last week. He wasn't spectacular. They don't use him a lot between the tackles. They're trying to hand it to him on reverses, throw him screen passes, uh, dump it off to him on check downs. Look, the bottom line is Carolina's offense may be in disarray. I think Atlanta gets them for Three Dog Thursday purposes. I will go Falcons. That leaves us one remaining underdog here on Three Dog Thursday. Where are you going, Kevin Rogers? You know what? I'm going to finish off my Florida trifecta, which I never <laughs> do on the show. And it's not about favoritism or homerism or whatever you want to call it. I just look at the, I look at the spots, and it happens to be these teams that are here, and that's it. So, you know, you look at the Miami Dolphins, and they traded Jay Ajayi this week, and you kind of wonder, you know, not say is that the, the formula to maybe them getting back on track is to get rid of him because maybe he was the problem. I don't think any person's the problem, and then all of a sudden it's better. But I'm sure that it can't be worse. And I understand the running game. You know, they don't have Larry Zonka or Ricky Williams to turn to at this point. But, you know, Jay Cutler's coming back this week. They were in disarray with Matt Moore last week, and they don't, they don't match up well with the Ravens. Defensively, they played really well against Baltimore. And you'd say, how they play well? They lost 40 to nothing. There were two pick sixes in the fourth quarter. 
there was uh, one long touchdown that they got burned on. But besides that, I think Baltimore had about 300 yards of offense. They really didn't do that much in that game against Miami. Now they're facing a Raiders team that has to go back to the East Coast that, uh, you know, I'm not sure if they traveled or not. They stayed, they actually, after the Buffalo game, they stayed in Florida, something they did a year ago and practiced in Florida. Marshawn Lynch had to join them, Kevin, because he had been suspended, had been practicing with a high school team in Oakland. He got to join the team on Monday in Florida. So they've hung around in Florida but, that, I mean, I'm with you. That Raider team did not look good in Buffalo. The, their defense has been shellacked. And, and Dolphins may have addition by subtraction here on Sunday Night Football, sir. They can. And also, I mean, you look at last time Oakland was on Sunday Night Football. They got ran by Washington. They won the Kansas City game. Maybe they shouldn't have on the Thursday night. And, you know, really the Raiders haven't been that convincing. I mean, they beat the Jets early on in the season. They, I, I seriously think their best win was over Tennessee early in the season. I think that was their best win. I mean, the Kansas City game, yeah, Derek Carr and Michael Crabtree are great numbers, but at the same time, probably should have lost that game. They gave a bunch of long touchdowns to the Chiefs in that game. And it's just playing on the East Coast. I, I think the Dolphins, you got I mean, I'm sorry, you have no, I hate to say it like this, but I will, you have absolutely no heart if you go into this game. Not if you lose it. I don't know, probably if you lose a game. If you lose 17-14, 21-17, but you just got blown out on national TV. You're back on national TV again, and then you're on national TV next week at Carolina on Monday night. So uh, you got to show something. You really do. And I guess an Oakland team that's been away from home for two weeks, I mean, i got to take the points here after they just lost by 40 points. i got to believe that, that they're going to put up a better effort this week. All right, Jay Cutler, we haven't covered that. Coming back from cracked ribs, suffered uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Jets game, uh, they had the Thursday night game with Matt Moore, who did not play particularly well. Cutler expected to play in this game on Sunday night. They basically have been saying midweek as we're taping Three Dog Thursday that he can't really do any more damage. They've got the flak jacket for him, the padding uh, for the ribs. So look for Jay Cutler to be back in there who runs the ball for Miami. Get used to the names Damian Williams and Kenyon Drake, the former Alabama running back, as the two guys that may carry the ball. Let's see what happens with the Finns and with the Raiders. We remind you, too, by the way, uh, this uh, Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by FanPlayoff.com. We encourage you to go to FanPlayoff.com to play postseason fantasy football like you never have before. It's coming this January. It's free. Go to FanPlayoff.com and find out more about that. All right, so Kevin, we have each picked three underdogs at this point. You're going to go Florida Gators, Florida trifecta for you, Florida Gators uh, getting points at Missouri, Tampa Bay Buccaneers road underdog at New Orleans getting seven, and Miami Dolphins as a home underdog with the Raiders. Uh, I will go with the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, As I mentioned uh, in the Bedlam game with Oklahoma State, I like SMU maybe not to win, but at least to keep it close with a UCF team that may or may not be without coach Scott Frost in that game getting 15, and I'll take the Atlanta Falcons to win. I'll take them as the short one-point underdog to win at Carolina and continue some misery for Cam Newton, as uh, as Kevin was talking about. Kevin, I'll give you the floor here. Uh, October is in the books, but you roll on with everything happening right now in the world of sports at VegasInsider.com, do you not? Yeah, we do. And, uh, you know, we, we close the book on baseball. College basketball is starting up uh, next week, next Friday, so... You know, we, we got that because there's 7,000 teams to keep track of in college basketball. <laughs> but you have college basketball, NBA, hockey's underway. 
uh, through the second month, and obviously NFL and college football. And you can check out all of our great material, our live odds on there, all of our articles covering everything, every conference report for college football, and the big matchups as well coming up on Saturday and then for Sunday. I have my pick six column where I give out six free picks for uh, six of the games on Sunday, our total talk piece, just focusing strictly on totals, if that's what you like, and uh, plenty of other things, our trend pieces, they're all there. You can check them out at VegasInsider.com. Also, we are on Twitter at TwitVI. That's right, and you can follow this man at VI Rogers if you uh, so desire. Again, he's a great follow on Twitter with a lot of sense of humor, with stuff about sports, pop culture, you name it. Um, all right, uh, it, it's going to be interesting this weekend on several fronts. Again, the Gators with a new coach, how will they do? Uh, as we mentioned, the Dolphins ridding themselves of Jay Ajayi. You took both of those teams as underdogs. I like the Sooners in that Bedlam game. I like uh, I like SMU to keep it close. We'll find out with those underdogs this weekend. Kevin, enjoy all of the football. We appreciate you being on this edition of Three Dog Thursday with me once again. And we will be chatting with you uh, this time again next week with some more underdogs. Enjoy the games. Thank you, sir. All right, you got it, TJ. Thank you. Kevin Rogers right there, Senior Handicapper, VegasInsider.com. I'm TJ Reeves. Again, follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Find us not only on RadioInfluence.com, but subscribe to the show. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Subscribe to the show and keep growing this tremendously growing uh, podcast and on-demand radio show. It is Three Dog Thursday. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next week. Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. If you're a serious athlete, a weekend warrior, parent, or coach, join us each week as we investigate the latest trends and research coming out of the sport performance world. We'll visit with top athletes, coaches, and sports scientists to keep you on the cutting edge and to find out what it truly takes to achieve human maximum performance. You can visit us online at CrushPerformance.com and Crush Performance Radio with me, Jeff Kershell, can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and at Radio Influence.